0: Good morning, friends. Today's message is titled, Give Me Missionary Eyes. I don't think it would come as any surprise to you if I were to say our nation is deeply divided. We disagree with each other and often do not trust each other. Fear and anxiety are always in the news. Across the political spectrum, many of us are beginning to realize that what is really wrong with America is not politics or lockdown or masks, Our problem is moral and spiritual. I think people are beginning to see that it's going to take a whole lot more than stimulus packages and inoculations and climate control and on and on. I want to suggest to you that what we need is a new birth of compassion. We need missionary eyes. See, compassion means to suffer with another person. The word has a strong personal element. To have compassion means more than just feeling sorry for somebody. It means to get down to where they are in the midst of their need and their pain and to suffer with them. Suffering with one another, it's, a, it's painful sympathy. kind of like that, but I find it incredibly challenging. An illustration of painful sympathy can be found in Luke 15, verse 20. It says, His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You know, that verse is incredibly significant because it shows us that compassion is more than just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. It's more than feeling sorry for people in times of trouble. Biblical compassion means that you see the problem, you're moved by the need, you go out to where the problem is, and you get your hands dirty trying to help one person after another get their problems solved and raise them to a higher level of life. You know, we see this in a number of places in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 14:14, 14, 14, Jesus had compassion on the great crowd that was following him. So he healed the sick and then fed the 5,000. In Matthew 15, 32, Jesus felt the same compassion on another crowd. And there he fed 4,000. When Jesus saw two blind men of Jericho, Matthew 20, verse 34 tells us, he was filled with compassion and healed them on the spot. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 41 offer the most telling example of what compassion meant to our Lord Jesus. It says, A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Now, I think here's the most shocking part of that text. Jesus touched a leper. In doing that, he broke All the customs and rules of that day. According to the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you were unclean. People were so scared of lepers that they made them live in a colony away from the rest of society so that they would not contaminate anyone else. But when Jesus saw the man with leprosy, he was so moved, he reached out and touched him. Now, please understand something. For Jesus, compassion was not a feeling. It was a commitment to get involved with hurting people. Real compassion is more than a feeling. Real compassion moves us from feeling to action. You know, we are used to thinking of Jesus as the son of God and so he was, but I call to your attention what Peter said in Acts 10:38 as his one sentence summary of Jesus' ministry. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now how is that for the earthly life of Jesus? He went about doing good, short, concise, right to the point. Now, most of us would not react kindly if somebody called us a, a do-gooder, but you know the original do-gooder was Jesus. See, one day a man came to see our Lord with a curious question. He said, who is my neighbor? In one sense, that question seems to answer itself. I mean, you just look around, your your neighbors are, well, we'd say next door the apartment, down the hall or whatever. I mean, your neighbors are all around you. They live on your street, they go to school with your kids, you shop at the same stores, you eat at the same restaurants, you drive the same streets they do, you work with your neighbors and you see them when you go to church. Your neighbors are all around you. I mean, simple answer, so it would seem. But you know, buried within it is a deeper theological question. All the Jews knew that God commanded his people to love him with a whole heart. But Leviticus 19.18 adds an important application. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And guess that? Guess what? That means even if they have a different political persuasion than you. That's why I keep telling people, Christ followers are not called to be condemners. We are called to be gospelers. We are called to be people of compassion and not people who go around and mock People who don't believe the same way we do politically or socially or whatever. Now, if loving God is hard, loving your neighbor is equally hard, but in a different way, especially when you add those last two words as yourself. So the question, friends, comes, who is my neighbor? In answer to this important question, Jesus told them a story that we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can read it in Luke 10, starts at verse 30. Jesus said that there was once a man on the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He ran into a bunch of thieves who beat him, stripped him, robbed him, left him for dead. And before too long, a priest, not as good as minister of God, came by. Saw the poor man lying there, and the priest walked on the other side so he didn't have to get involved. I mean, after all, he had to get to work. He had to get to the temple. A few minutes later, a Levite came by, a theologian, a doctor of theology, for heaven's sakes. And that makes me squirm a little bit. He's a student of God's word, a man who was supposed to know the character of God. And when that Levite saw the poor man lying by the side of the road, he crossed to the other side so he didn't have to bother with him. I mean, he's probably already late for his weekly Torah discussion group. And soon after that comes a Samaritan. And when Jesus said that, The crowd would have probably all went, whoa, because he was talking about a despised group of people. The Jews hated the Samaritans, much the way we choose up sides today. I mean, they'd never say anything good about the other side. But Jesus said this half-breed, hated Samaritan, came along and saw the poor man lying there. When he found out that he was still alive, he took wine, poured it on his wounds. He dressed his wounds, picked the guy up, put him on his own donkey took him to the inn, paid the bill, stayed the night with the guy, and the next morning took money out of his own pocket, gave to the innkeeper, and said, if there's more, I'll settle the bill when I come back. Let me make two observations about this story. First, what this Samaritan did was truly above and beyond normal human obligation. I mean, today, if we saw a beaten person lying by the road, we'd probably first call 911 and then do what we could while we waited for help to arrive, but... There were no EMTs on this treacherous road winding through the mountains from Jerusalem down to Jericho. I mean, if this man were to survive, the Samaritan would have to take the whole burden on himself. Either he got involved or the man died. I mean, there just weren't any other options. Now, seen in that light, many of us might have hesitated. After all, we have things to do. We have places to go. We have people to see. I mean, the demands of life weigh heavily on all of us. And besides, he might have COVID. That's what some people would say. I don't see him wearing a mask. See, you cannot save the world. You just cannot. That's what people say. So why then did the Samaritan get involved when the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side? Well, it is not a matter of busyness, nor is it a matter of preparation. Now, I suppose one could argue that his background as an outcast made him more likely to respond to human need. I mean, that's possible. And it may, in fact, be true. But Jesus doesn't stress that point. The priest had no idea that morning about the man by the side of the road. Neither did the Levite, neither did the Samaritan. All we know is that his compassion moved him to action. At that particular moment, this particular Samaritan saw this particular man robbed, beaten, and left for dead, and he decided to get involved. Now, we need not ask what he would have done if he had seen ten men lying by the road or if he'd seen a hundred men robbed, beaten, or left for dead. He cared enough to help the one man he actually did see, and that's all that matters. Now, there's a second point to notice in this story. The Samaritan could not have known what he was getting himself into. Now, I already noted that the few of us would have done what he did. But do not miss the point. When he saw this man by the road, he evidently did not do a mental calculation and say, oh man, I'm going to get up paying for this man's hotel bill. And that's going to come somewhere down the road. And as a practical matter, he could not have known what was required. The only decision he had to make was, should I get involved or should I pass by on the other side of the road? And friends, I'll tell you, we rarely know what compassion will demand of us. I mean, which is why we ought not to be overly calculating before we get involved. I mean, sometimes the help we give will be brief and easy to do. Other times we're going to discover that the demands are long lasting and heavy to bear. See, most of the time we cannot do it all by ourselves. I mean, even in this story, the Samaritan didn't stick around, try to nurse the man back to health himself. He left him in the care of an innkeeper and then went on his way. I mean, no one can do it all and no one is being asked to do it all. But we are all asked To do something. So we come to the end of the story. And Jesus said. Which actually ends in a question. And then a simple command. Which of these was the true neighbor. To the man in need. The priest. The Levite. The Samaritan. You tell this story to a bunch of little kids. Anywhere in the world. And hands will shoot up all across the room. And they're going to shout. It was the Samaritan. Good answer. But then comes the kicker. The simple application Go and do likewise. You see, friends, in the story Jesus told, the real question is not who is my neighbor, but rather whose neighbor will I be to those I'd meet today? See, the onus is always on me, not on those in need. In the story Jesus told, it's not about the man in need. It's about those who had a chance to help and did not. And the one man who did what he could do, even though he could have walked away. And so, friends, compassion is not something you just talk about. Compassion is actually something you do. If you want your neighborhood changed, get involved. I mean, your neighborhood could be changed, but you have to do it the hard way, the slow way, the quiet way, the unseen way, the difficult way. But in God's economy, that's the only way it works. Let me give you three words of application. Here's application one. We need to pray aggressively. In application two, we need to be radically personal. In application three, we, begin, we need to begin this week, today, Sunday, March the 14th, 2021. And may I suggest one simple step of application? Many of us would like a personal ministry, but we don't know where to begin Well, friends, there are people in your life who need the help only you can give. And you can't just continue to bury them on Facebook or nasty tweets or or whatever. I mean, some people just need a word of encouragement. And you're the only person who can give them that word. There are some people who are staggering beneath a heavy load. And you're the only one who can lift that burden from their shoulders. I mean, some of, of them are about to quit and give up. And you're the only one who can keep them in the race. Some of them have been hit with an incredible string of trials, and you're the only one who can help them keep going. Now, there are people all around you. Your only problem is that you just don't see them. Now, my longtime friend, Dr. Kent Hunter, who heads up Church Doctor Ministries, has taught me a lot of things. But one thing he taught me was this. Pray that God will give you missionary eyes. Those are eyes that see the real needs of the people you meet or that you encounter. I just say, pray that God will bring at least one person across your path who needs the help only you can give. I mean, that's a prayer God will answer. For there are folks all around you who are just barely making it. You might see them where you work. You live next door to them. Your kids go to school with their kids. I mean, they're out there waiting for somebody to give them help. Now, God's helped us for a purpose, and that's that we might take what we have received and share it with those who desperately need it. I'm going to say it again. As Christ followers, we are not called to be condemners. We are called to be gospelers, to take the good news of Jesus Christ to people. And sometimes that means getting down and dirty. It means to have compassion. So how do you change the world It's not through programs and even through preaching done at a distance. You change the world one heart at a time, one life at a time. Compassion that is not personal is not compassion. God help us to be people of compassion, to reach out and touch a hurting world in the name of Jesus. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion, pray, for missionary eyes. God bless.